Friday night, football is getting underway in the state of South Carolina. Chad Wilkes, first game at Lamar High School. How you feeling, man? Are you nervous? Four state championships in a row. Friday night, we're kicking off first game. What What are the feelings right now going through your head? Um, I'm kind of just tired. Too busy to be stressed. Like this is the, it's the busiest I've ever been in my life. So I literally, it's also the least amount of stress I've had going into a season because I don't have time to be stressed. Like it's just the grind is overtaking any chance of feeling anxiety or anything. I think that being a one A coach, that may be a benefit. Is that it's so you have to do so much that you don't get to be stressed. When will the stress kick in? When will that happen? Is it? Do you think it'll happen Friday afternoon? Will it happen before that? Because you're gonna get some nerves. Yeah, I mean, I'd say probably it'll probably be like on the bus going to like once everything's completely taken care of. Like once we get on the bus, that's probably when it'll um, hit. But yeah, I mean, we have it's just been so much with school starting back with the teachers and everything. It's just been it's been an insane insane workload here for the last few weeks so i've just been I've, it's almost like when you go to camp in college as a player yeah and like the, all the days just start running together and you almost just forget how much it sucks you're just doing it and that's kind of like what my life is right now like that's really what i feel like how much time have you spent on your lesson plans for the first day oh <laughs> man <laughs> you got that uh that lesson worked up baby you yeah oh Luckily, my teaching load's a little bit less than what I've had in the past, and I think that uh, that first day we're going to do a little um, partner interview and share with the class, and uh, you know, just try they to run that clock a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it'll be a very um, kinesthetic type learning style. They'll be really involved um, with their own learning and sort of directing their own learning path. I think that's really important for me. See, I don't, I, I don't know if people care, but. For those of you listening, me and Chad have been friends since we were little tiny kids. We grew up in the same town, so we know each other very, very well. So when you hear us joking and saying things, we have a very long history. We played high school football together, won some state championships, coached together our first year. So um, if you're wondering who's talking and what, how we know each other, we've been friends forever, just so you know. Uh, we've got some awesome episodes coming up, guys, and we really appreciate y'all. We've had a lot of people review and rate. If y'all would continue to do that for us, we love that. We've had some of y'all messaging us on Twitter at Coaches Drive is our Twitter handle. Y'all reached out and told us some ideas, and we're definitely going to try to work with those. Uh, you can email us, thecoachesdrive at gmail.com. So uh, email us, tweet us. We're on Facebook, the Coaches Drive Podcast. So reach out to us, keep rating and reviewing. We really appreciate it. We've got an awesome episode today coming out uh, with Coach Rick Jones at Greenwood. Chad, what'd you take away from that conversation with Coach Jones? I mean, he's, he's been coaching 42 years. If you don't take something away from him, you're not listening. Unfortunately, the listeners aren't going to be able to, obviously, being a podcast, they can't see it. But with us doing these Skype calls, we actually are, you know, looking at each other when we're talking. And the thing that struck me is he's been coaching for 42 years and the excitement and almost just like joy that he had on his face just talking about football and talking about offense. Like, it's really unbelievable. It's almost like, a kid at Christmas, just yeah. just literally in the middle of the summer, just talking about football. Like, I mean, he was just smiling and just the joy that I saw on his face. I mean, it's really, it's unbelievable that he's been able to keep that for so long. So even more than anything he said, I mean, it's just the passion that he has with the insane amount of experience and success that he's had to still sort of um, have that feeling about the game and about kids and 
um, football in general. I mean, you know, I would I would hope that you know that's how I am. I mean, he's another one of those guys that's got so much more experience than I do, and that I look at and say, man, if I can be like that, you know, when I'm his age and have that amount of experience, you know, that's that's really good because a lot of times, obviously, people get cynical and jaded as time goes on, and he definitely has not at all, and he's still trying to stay ahead of the curve from a scheme standpoint and culture standpoint and all that stuff. I mean, he's really he's really unbelievable. It's really cool to talk to him. I thought, like you just said, it's so cool to see a guy who's been coaching 42 years, but he's the guy who comes into meetings and is like, oh, my gosh, I just saw this thing on Saturday. We didn't yeah, he said in. that. Yeah. That's, it's cool to have that mentality and always want to learn and change, but uh, I'm not going to keep you all waiting any longer, guys. Coach Rick Jones, just quick bio. 42 years coaching, over 30 years as a head coach, nine state championships. He's been to, I believe, 14 or 15. National Coach of the Year. Coach Jones, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Hey, I'm happy to be here, Jonathan. It's great. Good. Enjoy talking to you guys. I always enjoy talking football with anybody, so I, I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. First off, before I ask any question, have you ever been told that you sound more like a football coach than anybody else on earth? Like, <laughs> Your voice sounds so much like a football coach. Have you ever been told that? Uh, I've coached, I think this is our 42nd year, and I think this that's the first time anybody's ever said that. But I i do know that uh, we're in, in our summer camp right now, and we have – I've been offering a lot of encouragement, I guess you can say. So uh, I, I take it as a yeah. compliment. Compliment. But, uh, it is. 42 years of guiding young men. It's definitely a compliment. I'll just, man, that thing sounds like a daggum ball coach. Uh, coach, so you've won nine state championships. You've been the national coach of the year. You've been to, is it 14? You've played for 14 or 15 state championships. I'd, I'd have to sit here and count it up, but I know that if I'd have coached better, we'd have won more than nine. I can tell you that. <laughs> what keeps you going right now? You've, you've accomplished about everything that a man could hope to accomplish getting into this profession. What keeps you waking up every day? And we've asked another guy this who won, who's won 10, but what keeps you going to work? Well, I, I've never gotten it quite right yet, even though uh, we've won it. I, there, there's always ups and downs and ins and outs, and, and maybe I'm just simple-minded, but it's ne- it's not really about – and it's easy to say that when you've won some, but it's not about winning the championships. I mean, we love it. We work for it. We strive for it. Uh, we do – you know, seven days a week for four and a half straight months. But that's really not it. It's just the the joy and excitement of the game and the kids and, and all that goes into it. Um, I've just – I'm lucky to be simple-minded. I love the challenge. Every year is a challenge. In high school football, we can't draft them. We can't cut them. We can't sign them off waivers. You just take what you have and you try to put it together. And uh, – I. A buddy of mine's named Billy Dawson. He's out of coaching right now this very second. But he and I were talking about it this last fall, and we were talking about, well, we might do this, we might do that. And I said, man, you're just like I am. He said, what's that? I said, you love the puzzle. And that's really, I think, the thing that drives me. It's the puzzle. It's putting all the pieces together in the right places with the right staff and with the right offense and the right defense and the right kicking game and giving a bunch of kids a chance to have success on the field. And I think that's what drives me as much as anything. I I, I just keep saying that it, it's simple-mindedness is I just really love what we do. And I love 
having the challenge of wake up every morning, we better be, we're at a place where even though we've had success, it is never going to be easy here because we've not had a plethora of division one athletes. You know, norm, we're the smallest school in our division in the state of Arkansas. Uh, we play teams, you know, we'll play teams two or three times bigger than us. So it's always a challenge. And I love that aspect of it, even though, you know, we've had some success. We still have an underdog mentality. And one of the things that, you know, we're, we talk about all the time with a chip on our shoulder. And I decided that because of we hear that so much that we even decided we're going to make our own chip. We have our own chip that we're going to keep. We have to do things other people aren't willing to do. And, and it's that kind of challenge that, fires me up and makes me uh i people ask me all the time how much longer you can keep going and it's sort of like an insult like we want to be relative we want to be be able to impact kids we want to be able to coach we love and and uh i i don't have any better offers right now i i i tell people all over the country i get i'm able to speak here and there is that i'm just glad to be the football coach at greenwood high school i mean it's an awesome awesome place and it it's an awesome opportunity and it's just, it's, I can't imagine doing anything else. I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to be here. We have great kids and great people. And it's, uh, that's what keeps me going. And it, it is a challenge. I mean, we've got new quarterback this year, going to have a bunch of new players and it's going to be a huge challenge for all of us. So we're going to have to work hard and unturn every stone and, looking at every nook and cranny trying to figure out a way to win some football games. Chad, did you hear that? It's not about winning the championship, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to say. It, yes. It's easy it's... To say, honestly, I, I, I get that. I, I mean, I get that and understand it, but it, it's really, yeah, if, if you're taking over a program that's won four, if your family wants to eat, I would advise you to try to do that. But <laughs> I tell people, you know, we're in Walmart country here in Arkansas. And every time I go to Walmart, I probably get asked, you know, 10 times, how are y'all going to be this year? How many are you going to win this year? And I just always had the same answer. We're going to win. Hopefully we're going to try to win every one we can. We want to try to win every game we can. And that, and that doesn't mean that we necessarily have the best talent, but we have kids that work hard, that are dedicated, disciplined. We put them in the right position. We want to walk off the field with a field. We did everything in our power to win the game, and then I let the chips fall where they may. But we want to win everyone we can. That's sort of the way I look at it. Yeah. Coach, looking back on it, what was your best season? Or which season were you most proud of? Was it a championship team? Was it maybe a team that went and didn't win? Like, what was the most proud season you've ever had as a coach in your 30-plus years? You know, Coach, it, it's really like saying which one, which is your favorite kid. You know, I I look at it that way. I mean, I tell our guys all the time, a team has a life. And it starts the day after the season ends. That new team, that's day one for them. That's their birthday. That's the day that that new team is born. And then it's, you know, it's sort of the journey that, that you go through. And so it would be like saying, you know, I've, we've got three kids and it'd be like saying, which one's your favorite kid? Well, it depends on what day you ask me, but, <laughs> but it, I mean, in truth, I mean, to be honest about it, but you know, I've been proud of teams for different reasons. We've had guys, we're the only team in the 
history of Arkansas playoff football that's come from two touchdowns behind in the fourth quarter and win a state championship. I'm proud of that team. Uh, they hung in there. In fact, we were down 14 with five minutes to go, and the other team had the ball on our 50. So, I mean, we we were up against it, and we battled back and found a way to win. A couple of years before that, we were playing the same team at their place. We're down 24 in the middle of the third quarter, found a way to kick field goal at the end of the game to win the quarterfinals and eventually won the state championship. So, I mean, there's been great things like that. The team we had at Edmond in 1989, Edmond, Oklahoma, they had never won a state championship at Edmond High School, and we had a group of unbelievably great kids that were determined that nothing was going to stand in their way and they were going to be the first ones to do it. And they did it. Not, I mean, it's been a, it, every year, especially it's a way at Broken Arrow, when we were at Broken Arrow, no team at Broken Arrow ever went to the finals. They had never gone to the finals. The biggest school in Oklahoma never gone to the finals. And we didn't get the job done, but we did go to the finals, got smoked. But uh, we did something that had never been done. But, I mean, in terms of just being proud of a group of kids, it, I probably have to look back at 2000 in Broken Arrow. We built a brand new stadium. Everybody's excited. We go out there and have the worst season that we've ever had. The only losing season that we've had, period. But And it was a combination. We just, you know, whatever you want to call bad luck, I don't believe in luck, but it's bad whatever. Uh, I did a bad job coaching. We had some injuries. I mean, things happen we end up going four and six but in the last game we're four and five our record's four and five we have no hope for the playoffs we're playing for nothing but pride we're down 10 with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and come back and win that football game for no good reason other than a bunch of kids just wanted to win and uh, it's just being proud i'm as proud of them as i am the state championship team that came back with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win the game there because they showed that even though it was as bleak as it could possibly be, if you hang in there, you know what we say, hold on to the rope, keep paddling or whatever you want to say. Uh, it, those are things that I'm proud of. And it's just the individuals, you know, you, you know, you get a phone call, at, you know, nine o'clock at night, say, coach, I was thinking of you today something happened at work or something happened in my family and they just those are the kind of things that that really are meaningful and we love winning trust me we're not apologizing we love winning we love going out there and doing everything in our power to win and it's easy to say if you've had some success oh when it's not the most important thing because it's darn important now i don't diminish that at all but when you look back at it it's not necessarily the championship teams it's just teams that battled and fought I don't know any group of kids that I've ever coached that wanted to win more than our 2004 team here at Greenwood. Is our very first year we came in, changed everything, and those kids were unbelievable. They bought in. They gave it everything they had. We got state finals playing a great team from Wynn, Arkansas. We're up 14-7 at halftime and, and received the kick, and, and I call the worst two series in a row in the history of football. Amos Lonzo Stagg was turning over in his grave. It was horrific. <laughs> we end up, we end up let, letting them score with about 56 seconds to go. We let them score. We fell down. They scored uh, to go up by eight. And then with 26 seconds to go, 
we scored, went for two to try to tie it, get it overtime, and 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 fell short. And that was that was one hundred percent my fault. I call it a horrible, horrible two series. I didn't call great the other time either, but those were just remarkably bad. But those kids did everything we asked them to do. You know, the old cliche, they laid it on the line. They hated losing more than any group of kids I've ever coached in my life. And I, I was so proud of them. And uh, I think, you know, your question is, you, you had mentioned about, have you ever been happy after a loss? Well, I was not happy after that loss, but I walked off the field and looked at those kids and I just felt devastated because I hadn't done a better job for them because they deserved it. And coach, you've been the head coach, obviously, for a long time. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I can't attest to what I'm about to say because I wasn't born yet, but it looked well, like football <laughs> was a was a very different game um, from what it is now. <laughs> and, I, I mean, a lot of coaches, you know, maybe – and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They do what they've always done if they've had success. Yeah. So that means doing the same thing offensively, scheme-wise, systematically – um, you haven't necessarily done that. What do you think it is about your mindset that has allowed you to go and sort of just go with the wave as football's changed? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's such a great question. I have such respect. I, I look back at uh, the great – I mean, the truly great coaches usually had – Gordon Wood ran the doggone wing tee down in Texas forever. And uh, – as far as I know, didn't change and won more games than anybody. And I'm not sure about your coach there in South Carolina. That's the winningest of all. But it would drive me nuts to do the same thing over and over and over. I come in every Sunday afternoon when we have a staff meeting, and I say, man, I've seen some stuff on TV that's unbelievable. <laughs> and thankfully, we have smarter coaches than me who say, whoa, coach, you know, take a chill pill. <laughs> we get do all that but i'm always looking for the next best thing for the newest rendition of stuff you know the rpo stuff so fantastic and so cool um but over the years we've run a i multiple i sort of the old nebraska tom osborne i is sort of what we cut our teeth on and we've been flex bone and multiple and we and then in 2000 like i say we were running the flex bone about got fired and uh i watched uh Michigan played North, Northwestern in 2000, and Northwestern beat Michigan. That should never happen. And uh, Kevin Wilson was at Northwestern at the time. I saw Rich Rodriguez. I was speaking at a clinic in Mississippi last week, Rich, and I got to listen to Rich Rodriguez, and I just sat there and looked at him, and I thought, you're the guy that saved my job. You don't know that. I didn't get a chance to visit with him because I was speaking next, but I said, I thought to myself, I'm listening to the guy that saved my job because we were about gone. And uh, there's such a cool segue between the spread and, and, and the flex bone. I mean, you, we know how to read. We know how to pull pitch. You know, we know how to, you know, uh, mesh pull and pitch. And we can handle perimeter blocking. And there's a lot of segue, you know, between – the flex bone and the spread, but I think the spread has saved us. And it's so, I mean, the spread, what the heck is it now? You know, the spread now in the NFL is, is putting in 11 or 12 or, or 21 personnel and then lining up five wide, you know, that's the sort of the soup de jour in, as, as football is evolving, but it's, it's, I just, I, I don't really have ADD. I don't think 
but it would bore me <laughs> to death if we came out and did the exact same thing every day. And I, I mean, I, I worked for a guy many years ago that, you know, if it was a seventh practice, he had it filed away. That's, this is practice seven. This is what we're doing. Practice seven. We've been it for 30 years and that mentality drives me crazy, but there's a lot better coaches than I'll ever be that did it. You know, one of the guys I, I think about, I interviewed when I was a young guy with Bob McQueen at Temple, Texas, and Coach McQueen was one of the gurus of Texas high school football. He ran the wing tee for years and years and years and years, and then toward the end, you know, he went to spread and won another state championship there at Temple High School, but it, I'm always looking for the next best thing. I, I, I look at, and this is sort of off the subject, but I look at what Iowa State is doing to spreads on their with their defense, and I don't know if you guys have paid much attention. I think that's going to be the thing. The three safety, you know, they call it the three safety defense, but I think that's going to be a thing that's going to give us a lot of trouble, and we've spent quite a bit of time studying it for our own purposes, obviously, but also to figure out, you know, the best way to go about it. They've given OU fits, and, and the talent level is not close. And, and I that's you know, it's stuff like that. I mean, if we just stay the same, uh, we're falling behind. Not, I, I just feel that very, very strongly. I, I love the challenge of, of people, you know, those dead gum defensive guys. you got to watch people like that because they're a dangerous, dangerous breed. Uh, <laughs> because those guys, you could put a guy with no arms at wide receiver and they'd put someone out there. And that's really, you think about that mentality. Just think about that for a while. But they will. That's the way they are. But uh, it, it makes it fun because, you know, with our defensive staff, they're always scheming us and trying to trick us and find out different ways to do it. And we might just line up and, and run unbalanced five wide on them just, just, for the, just to watch them scream and yell and throw fits. But, I mean, it's always that challenge between the – you know, it's it's good and bad. It, it's it's evil and and pristine. And it's you got to watch those defensive guys because they're always scheming for us. They're always trying to figure out a way to put twelve guys out there and not get caught. You just got to be always on your toes trying to make adjustments. But that's uh, I mean that's a long answer. But I mean, man, I love I love I mean I watch Sean McVay. I got two books right here, uh, one on OE's offense and and one on the uh, Rams offense. I got another one on the Chiefs offense, and I I just love watching to see what really really smart people are doing. A lot smarter than I am, but I we've had some really good, you know, really good people that have shared and been generous. Thank goodness for that. Since the time that you started, what do you do um, more differently now than you did back then? Is it um, you know, practice the way we practice is way different. The way you schedule practice is way different. The way you handle kids. What's the thing that, that you see is the biggest difference in the way you do things since the time you started? That's a great question. I tell people all the time is that it's not the what. I mean, I'm not getting too philosophical, hopefully, but it's not the what. It, everybody's got good offense. Everybody's got good defense. As coaches, we had to focus on the how. how and, and you hit it right on the, the nail on the head, how. You know, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. How do you practice? How do you implement? How do you take it from the board 
to the playing field on Friday night. And I think that's the, that's what people call this. That's what I call the system. What is your system for implementing what you have in your head that goes on the, goes on the board that eventually shows up on Friday night. And I, I think the thing that's probably changed more than anything is just technology because I am so old, I have to admit, we started out with 16 millimeter film. And we had wow. one copy of that film. And we never filmed practice because there was no method of doing that because we couldn't afford it. And and I think that's the thing that has changed because now, you know, I I, I like I, I'm a big fan of Dub Maddox there in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma with the R4 and all that stuff. And, and we joined his system. And I mean, he's got so much stuff. He has so much stuff on there is that you could go forever. We got a buddy in Minnesota that has a Google Drive that's got, I mean, hours and hours, days and days, weeks and weeks of stuff that you could just sit and watch and, uh, with with podcasts. Uh, you know, Keith Grabowski, there at USA Football. There, I walk about an hour every day, and it's just I mean, I have a, on my phone, I have a huge number, you know, over 200 podcasts dealing directly with football. I don't always listen to football podcasts. I listen to business podcasts. I listen to history podcasts. I listen to leadership podcasts. Coach, you got to make that 201 now. 201 now. (laughs) I got to add this one to the library. Because, well, if you're ignorant, it's your own doggone fault today. That's right. You had to have – I remember when we went to VHS and the boss I was working with said, that's never going to work. It's not clear enough. And I said, Coach, we can film practice. We can make copies. We can, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's in VHS. And, and then, you know, the format goes and goes. And then we – and I'm no offense to DSV, but we're using DSV in the old days, and it's like 16 steps to the – the fit the video to a CD, you know, it's crazy or to a DVD. It's just crazy. And now it, it with whatever company you use, there's one fairly famous one. It, I mean, it's right there. I mean, it's right there. My brother's head coach, Kerrville, Texas, Kurt at Tyvee high school in Kerrville, Texas. Every Saturday morning, I shoot him our film. He shoots me his film. Uh, I got a buddy in Georgia coaches down in Camden County, Georgia. I said, man, send me that film. And uh, he's doing something good. Send me that film. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, coach, is just the technology. If a guy doesn't know it's his own doggone fault today, I think kids have changed. Uh, I think their motivation for playing football has changed. I think it's more relational based. It. I, I love the game. I love the game of football. And I, honestly, I don't know how many guys love the game as like I did, but that's okay. I, I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying, you know, I've probably taken it to a work perspective, but it's their motivation has changed. I think it's more about relationships. It's more about being a part of something. It's more about being on a team. And while all that stuff was always well and good, I think I think that's one of the things that we try to build as we as we build our football program is have opportunities for kids to be together and work together and spend time together. And we have a 
I mean, one of the greatest culture builders that I've ever seen is, is a ping pong table that sits in our locker room. I mean, those kids sitting there and play ping pong and laugh and joke and talk and have the best time. Our kids love our locker room. And I think that's part of it. And I'm not so sure that back in the old days, it was quite that same. I, I laugh when I think of my high school coach. If he would just, if he would walk in my shoes for one day, he would be so disgusted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was the veteran of the Battle of the Bulge. I mean, he was hard nosed, old school. He didn't give a rat's fanny about my self-esteem. I can promise you that. He that was the least of his concern. And I, I look back at it and I just, you know, it's almost comical the way it is. But I I think it's a, a lot about why kids play and I, I say this over and over and over I mean high school football is is a big deal I mean we're Walmart but when I was growing up if you wanted to go to the five and dime you went to a place called TGNY well you there's no such TGNY in this world anymore um there's no Gibson's discount center or something like that as far as I know <laughs> because it's changed and if we don't change to our customers, then we're going to lose. We're going to lose business. And in this day and age with CTE and with heat and with the, the things that are involved in, in time and effort, energy that it takes to play high school football or junior high football or even youth football, we're going to lose our customers. And if we don't have customers, we don't have, we don't have a job. If they don't have football at Greenwood High School, so they'd hire me to coach. You know, and I think that's the thing we got to always remember. And and I look at our kids when that bell rings six hour for them to come to athletics. They make a choice every day. They're all walk-ons. They're everyone walk-ons. We don't have any scholarships in our program. Now people might disagree with that. We have no scholarships. We're public <laughs> school. And when that bell, rings, they make a choice. They vote with their feet. We high-five them when they come in the door. They come right through our office, right in the middle of our office. We're high-fiving. We're saying, man, I'm glad you're here. Let's go. Let's get to work. Let's have some fun. Let's go. And I I think that we have to have that mentality because they're, you know, and I, I use this illustration quite a bit, but in the way things work, the president of the American Buggy Manufacturing Company probably stood on his desk at one time in the history of that company and said, don't even worry about that Henry Ford fellow. All we got to do is make good buggies. And that's just not true. And I think that's the way that we have to look at it. They're our customers. We got to, and if they don't get served, they're not coming back. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and I think that we're lucky to live in a great town. It's sort of, you might call it old fashioned, but football means something in this town. I know in South Carolina, there's a ton of places that where football really means a lot. I, I'm good buddies with, with Bobby there at South Carolina, and I know the great job that he did um, there, there at the high school in South Carolina. And I know some yeah. of the history is a lot different. And it's a uh, – Man, we gotta set. We gotta. We gotta provide for our customers. We have to make sure that we're meeting their needs, or they're not coming back. So, for you, schematically, I mean, what what's next with football? Are we going to get even crazier spread, or is 
is eventually going to overcorrect and like you know we're going to start seeing crazier defense so everybody's going to go back to run the ball like where does it go from here well i think i think the thing that i think that the uh what i said earlier is probably and i don't know if this is a long-term thing or not but what i see is more spread out of heavy personnel you know where you put heavy personnel in the game the defense matches up with heavy personnel and then you line to fight you know you put Gronkowski at that <laughs> there and then right. say okay now what do you do you know but I think that's probably part of it but in high school football we don't have the we don't have the ability to go draft a 6-6 tight end so with us it's always a matter of do we have a bot, a, a tight end body type, or two tight end body types, or do we five little guys, little bugs that can run all over the field? And it's just adapting what we do to what we can do. But I think a lot of the, I mean, to me, if there's a trend, there's a trend toward odd defense. There's a trend, a trend toward people obviously being multiple in the secondary and taking away the easy stuff. That's what. I mean, that's usually the evolution of a defense. They want to take away the easy stuff first. In the flex bone, they want to take away the daggum triple option. And then we'll go from there. You know, they get to that point. And I think in the spread, they're trying to take away the easy stuff. It was a lot easier in the spread to make yards uh, 15 years ago than it is today. But uh, that's what that's what it's all about, man. That's what makes it fun. And when you see some – you know, a true innovator, that's what makes it really, really fun to watch. And with all the video out there, um, with all the information that people have, I just think I think change just comes sooner and sooner and sooner. You know, I I just see the evolution. You would think, common sense tells you, that what somebody's going to go back to, you know, two tight ends, two backs, run the daggum power. Uh, I think there's... I think there's a certain, you know, if they, if you put a little, if you put 11 little bugs on the field, they're going to put big guys out there and try to pound you eventually. Um, but I, I think that's sort of the evolution of it right now. And, and can we change our personnel or can we run different formations with the same personnel ideally to put, put people in binds and create matchup problems? Um, that's like the last drive that everybody talks about with the Patriots in this past Super Bowl against the Rams. They went out 21 personnel, five wide for yep. five straight plays, ran the same play for five straight plays with James Devlin, the fullback out at wide out, um, and went straight down the field because the Rams tried to match up with their big personnel, and they ended up with somebody that shouldn't have been on Gronkowski, and they <laughs> threw it down to the yard line or whatever. Um, I, the only thing, yeah, I think that, for high school, I mean, it's so important to try to find mismatches wherever you can. You know, we don't have the same guys. Obviously, everybody's not always a great player in high school, but wherever you can find those mismatches is what's important. Yeah. Chad, no can you imagine? Go ahead, Coach. Go ahead. You're well, good. It, I mean, it, I, we don't see – I don't think we see in high school as much of the matchup situation that you have in the NFL uh, – our box counts can vary uh, depending on who we play. I mean, it's it's interesting how much man-to-man people really want to run, even if you don't have that guy. But it's that's the thing. It's just like you say, it's getting the matchup. And then if, if it's not matchup, then it's numbers. You know, you either get numbers or you get an advantage with a one-on-one matchup. 
one day, you know, when you think about the coach who's stuck in his ways nowadays, it's that guy who wants to run the ball right up the middle every time. It's going to be so funny in about 30 years when the air raid guy's the one who wants to throw the ball every play, and he's the one that's stuck in his ways. Everybody else is running the wishbone. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they react to that because air raid guy's a very specific guy. Coach, I want to ask you this, too. What is – like you've already talked about several coaches and ways that you've gotten better. Which coach over your career has helped you innovate and improve the most? There's no way to answer that with just one guy. There's so many guys. But I will tell you this. I think one of the things that really changed me and changed my perspective was that I heard a clinic speech at Lawrence Fieldhouse in about 1985 with a guy named Tony Mason. And he gave a speech called Coaching Coaches. And anybody that's listening to this that hasn't watched that video or hasn't uh, just hasn't watched that presentation, they, they're, they've missed out. Um, we show it about every three years because our guys are probably sick of me showing it to them. I've probably seen it ten times. I get something new every single time. I have a video myself, uh, but it's Tony Mason Coaching Coaches, and it's more about how to coach. And uh, I think in terms of influence, that would be one. The three guys that I – the four guys that I've worked for as, as an assistant coach, I mean, they've taught me huge, vast things. Uh, Gus Malzahn's been great to me. Uh, uh, opposing coaches, which is sort of crazy, but it's the way our business is. There's a guy that was in Oklahoma for years in California named Ron Lancaster who's been really, really a good friend of mine and uh, been a great mentor. Uh, there was our a basketball coach when we got our first job at Edmond, Oklahoma. You know, like I said, I was 30 years old and I didn't know what I didn't know. And he and his wife would have me over their house on Sunday after we had coaches meetings. And they, I was a bachelor at the time. I was fired up because I was going to get some food, but I also got wisdom. His name's Mike Delagarza, and, and Mike would sit down with me and discuss what I was doing and, and not necessarily critique me, but just say, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Have you ever thought about this? And Mike was a great, great mentor to me. And, uh, but I, I, I will tell you this. I, I, I tell people that I have a superpower and that is I'm unembarrassable. And, uh, I will ask anybody, anything I'm going to ask anybody, anything. I don't care. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said that it's better to remain silent and have people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I, I don't think that's bunk. I don't think that's true at all. I, 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 I love Abraham Lincoln too. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Abraham Lincoln. But I, I don't think that's true. I'm going to ask it, I'm not going to be rude. I'm not, I hope not obnoxious, but I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to ask questions to anybody that I think has an answer to something that I need that can make us better. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed to do that at all. I, we are a long way from having all the answers. We're always trying to get there and trying to learn something new, but there's so many we live. I mean, it's such a great profession. So like I say, I got a buddy in Georgia and I say, Sean, look at this. Tell me what you think. And I mean, in, in two hours later, you know, we send it via huddle. Two hours later, he'll call me up and he said, man, you stink. You're doing, that's, you know, <laughs> he'll just tell me the straight up truth. 
And I mean, I have people like that. My brother, we swap stuff back and forth. I've got guys all over the country, Jeff Steinberg at Beaumont High School in, in Beaumont, California, is one of the best coaches I've ever met in my life. And I'll call Jeff up and I'll say, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, it just, it's so great to have those resources and, and to pick one would be really, really hard. But I mean, if, if you nail me down to one, um, it, it would probably be John Lance, who I worked with for only one year at Edmond High School. He's, he's, I believe now and he did it the right way. He took a holistic approach to coaching, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical, and uh, probably give him as much credit. We lost John at a very early age, tragic. And just I think about him a lot because he really helped sort of teach me to take the holistic approach to what we do in coaching the game of football. And I love what you just said about don't not being afraid to ask questions. I think, I mean, is it any, anything socially, like even if you're with a big group of people and they're not talking about football and everybody knows something, you want to act like you know it. Um, so I want to ask you this. What is, the, I've heard you talk about RPOs and PROs. What is the difference between those two things and why do you differentiate them? Uh, and I've heard you talk about running those two different types of plays. What is the difference between an RPO for you and a PRO? Well, I don't know technically if I know the answer, but this is what I believe. An RPO, we're reading a defender, and we're deciding whether to throw or run based on where the defender is. And PRO, what we're reading is grass and distance. And if we can throw, if we can just take the ball and throw it in whatever, whatever route concept we have without reading a defender, that's what we'd call PRO. What we try to do is we'll line up in doubles, two receivers to each side. We'll have PRO on one side and RPO on the other side. So if you have it, take it. You know, it might be, it might be the now screen. It might be bubble. It might be hitch screen. It might be something like that. Or it might be a, a quick game. Uh, double slant combination something like that and then to the boundary you have you know the true rpo where you where you might have stick bubble or or something like that or now or whatever but that's sort of the way that i look at it we sort of in, in different plays or different concepts that we have we can do both we can or or we'll line up or we'll line up, say, trips to the field, single to the boundary, and we'll just have an RPO concept to the field and to the single, we'll let him check around. Okay. He can signal a, he can signal a hitch, thumb, thumb for us is a quick out, uh, fade. You know, he can he can check something to the boundary. And, and the other thing that we'll do is that we'll line up in doubles, for instance, we'll run quick game the field, whatever concept we like, double slant, uh, uh, fade out or, or or hitches and then we'll we have nine things that we can check to the boundary to the two receiver side we have nine different things we can signal quickly and go really really fast and uh, if if they light box it our lines block in play so if they light box it we can just go ahead and hand it off and go and uh, that's that's the way I look at it, and that's sort of the way that our offense is built, that we have quite a bit of versatility. And if we just want to line up and run a zone read, we have a way to just call zone read with no pass option, and the, sec and the wide receiver guys are blocking. It, you know, 
the great thing you, you asked about going back to the flex bone, and it's going to be hard to do that because what we've done is we've tricked a bunch of wide receivers that are actually basketball players into thinking yeah. that all they yep. get to do is catch passes. And it's a lot more fun for those guys to say, hey, by the way, you're running around here. You might get the ball. Or say, hey, you need to go block his butt off like you're an offensive tackle. You know, stock block, chin up, thumb, thumbs up, elbows in, and, and move your feet as your stop block. And, uh, so it, it's a pretty good way to make everybody happy. And I – I, I want those basketball guys out for football, and it's going to be a hard sell to teach those guys to be wide tackles out there. They're not getting to catch the ball or run routes. At least if you're running a route, you might get it. You know, we it might not be the most likely thing to happen, but at least you have a chance if you're running a route to catch a ball as opposed to stop blocking some dadgum outside linebacker. Yeah, right. So let me just make sure that I've got this. For you, a PRO, you're deciding that basically pre-snap. If it's there, we're taking it. If it's not, we're going to work the RPO side, which is going to be post-snap where we're reading the defender or whatever. Call that a gift. That'd be, you know, you run hitches or outs or something like that that you know because you're right. not going to mesh. You're not going to mesh on that. We we just put a little signal into our back, and that means he's going to go block and not, not have a fake at all. And then if we don't signal, then we're going to go ahead and mesh and RPO it. Right. What are you any tips that you have for young coaches who are trying to advance? Um, you know, they're an assistant now. They eventually want to be a head coach, but they want to do it or do it the right way. What tips do you have for them to help them get to that level? I'm not going to uh, advertise my my website, but if you go want ahead, to go, go ahead, advertise, go ahead, advertise, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I talked. I have one of the last podcasts I put up was about that very question here's the number one thing go to work for the best football coach you know that you you have a chance i mean we interviewed when i was getting ready to get out of college we interviewed with the best because i could find it i didn't get offered you know nine out of ten jobs i got three maybe but i somewhere in my brain i knew i needed to work for great head coaches so I did the very best I could to work for the best head coaches I could possibly work for. We got a job in Oklahoma, Dell City High School, worked for a guy named Henry Manning, who was fantastic. And after about three years, I started looking around. Who's the next, Who's the guy that I really want to learn from? And it. And I, I focused on a guy named Mike Little that, that was at Putnam West. He had coached uh, uh, – he was – a one of the few guys in Oklahoma at that time that's throwing the football, everybody else running that got wishbone. And uh, I, I decided I want to work for Mike. He had coached a quarterback named Scott Tinsley that started at USC. And uh, I wanted to learn how to throw the football. And we were double down, kick out where we were. And I, it was fine. And I loved it. But <clears throat> I decided I wanted to go work for that guy. And and I told I got I became buddies with the guy over there, and I just said, hey, if anything, if if a floor sweeper, mopper, uh, clean up the locker room job comes open over there, I'm ready. And uh, after being at one place five years, I went to work for him for two years, and then uh, circumstances led to me going to Edmond and working for the guy that I'd mentioned earlier. But number one, work for a great head coach. That's how you learn your job. And number two, I, and this is being a bachelor until I was 40, don't worry about title. Don't worry about money. 
go to work for a guy that's going to teach you how to coach ball. And if you can afford to do that, don't worry about it. I, I've never been a coordinator. I've been a head coach for 30 years and I was never a coordinator. And, uh, I just, I see guys that are out there chasing titles and chasing jobs. And, and there's a fine line between, I, I've always believed that if I did my job the very best I could, that things would take care of themselves. And I, I remember, you know, my buddies going in said, Hey, did you see this job? Open? Hey, did you see that job? Then I think you sometimes you spend so much job pursuing the next job. You don't do your job very well. If you do your job well in this business, most of the time people are going to figure it out. People are going to know. And uh, I think that's just one work for a great head coach. And then two, don't worry about titles. Don't worry about anything like that. Just go in there and learn everything you can. I remember Mike Little, the second boss that I had, uh, I went to him one time and said, what I need to do better? He said, I want to be a head coach. I want, I want to be a great head coach. What I need to do? And he said, you need to look at the big picture. And what that meant was that even though I was the O-line, D-line coach, he, he told me that I need to pay attention to what we're teaching the punt block team, what we're teaching the punt team, what we're teaching – what are we teaching the wide receivers and how to run their routes and the quarterbacks and how to do the reads? And that's what I took from that conversation. Just look how he handles the program. Look how he handles tough times and, and difficult times and, and learn from that and grow from that and just go to school when you're working for great head coaches. Coach, another really cool thing you've done, I saw you won a $20,000 grant from East Bay in the Prepared to Win video contest. And you won it, we're talking about your 56 sprints philosophy can you tell us a little bit about about that philosophy what is that well my daughter actually was one that made that video she's a she's a senior at missouri state university now and she's majored in video production or whatever that's called these days but uh our 56 is what we do the last day of our summer program uh, we sort of build up to it we have a four-week summer program and i used to call it strength and conditioning but i figured out that's poor marketing so we call it speed and strength training and conditioning <laughs> just sounds too hard <laughs> the last day we're going to run 56 sprints between 5 and 50 yards with 15 to 20 second intervals and we run it like a game we run we run two we run 200 yards of sprints five to 50 yards down and back down and back that's quarter one then down and back down and back that's quarter two and so on and so forth and we run it just like you would a game and if they don't go full speed if they don't finish past the line they get to do it again they get the opportunity to do it again and i think when we walk off the field that day that's going to happen for us next thursday when they walk off that field they have a sense that they're in they're ready to play a football game at least in terms of condition. And yeah. I think that's one of the things. And, and it's crazy how you get ideas. My next door neighbor in Broken Arrow played at Bethany College in Lindsborg, Kansas. And Dr. Ket, Ted, uh, Ted Kessinger, that's what he always, that's how he trained his kids. And it just made sense for the game of football to train like, to train like a game and not I thank Dr. Ted for that very, very much because we still use it. I've shared it all over the place. Um, we played a team here about 10 years ago that 
their big deal was 57 sprints. They were going to run one more than Greenwood. And those rascals beat us here at home on homecoming, so I guess it worked. But we didn't change it to 58. We just stayed at 56, and this worked well for us. But that's that's the thing, and we build up to it. We run a one quarter of it on the first Thursday, two quarters on the second Thursday, three quarters on the third Thursdays, and then we line up and run four quarters on on our la- on our fourth Thursday. But that's been something I think is really really good. Anybody want to send me an email? I'll be happy to send it to them. It's old, but it's uh, yeah. I think it's a great way to train a football team. Yeah, good stuff, Coach. Uh, wrapping up here, I wanted to ask you your story. You told me you had. A- a little story, Nick Saban coming to recruit at Greenwood. Uh, what happened with that when Saban came down to recruit one of your guys at, at Greenwood High? You can imagine. He had just been hired. He had just been hired. And uh, I'm thinking a month ago, he's probably sitting on a yacht in Miami. You know, he'd just been hired. Now he's sitting here in Greenwood, Arkansas. Well, the word got out that he was going to be here. We had 300 at that day in spring practice probably. People just wanted to catch a glimpse of Coach Saban. And so uh, Major Applewhite Coach Saban comes in and they, I mean, honestly, he was on a business trip. He didn't want to take pictures. He didn't want to sign autographs. He wanted to come in, watch our kid throw the football, get on a plane and go watch the next kid throw the football. And it, I mean, it, everything I'd heard about Coach Saban, you know, we're so, we're so because to me, that's, I mean, that'd be like my mother running into Brad Pitt at the Walmart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the guy. I mean, yeah. he's the guy. Him or Bill Belichick or maybe even Dabo in this day and age. I'll put Dabo in that top rung of those guys. Yeah. But, I mean, Coach Saban is sitting in my office, and all of a sudden he starts pencil whipping me about what we're doing on offense. And he gets on the board, and he's drawing up how he's going to stop us. And I'm like, is why do we not have a camera in my, why do we not have this? On, I'm getting pencil whipped by the greatest coach in history, or at least yeah. one of them. And he's just going on and on and on. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. He, I mean, he stayed at, cause I knew he had to catch another plane to see another quarterback somewhere down the road. And he's sitting here talking and talking and talking. And then I asked him about the book that he had written and he goes into this big, long talk about the, and I, I I'm pinching myself, honestly, because it's such an honor just to have Nick Saban at Greenwood, Arkansas, to be here, and then to have him in our office talking yeah. football. I mean, how awesome is that? And then I hear a knock on the door. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And, and he doesn't even take a breath. He's still just talking, 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 talking. I'm thinking, well, maybe the knock will go away. <laughs> and then here it again. I hear the dreaded knock. And I said, and he finally took a breath, and I said, hey, coach, just a second. And I go to the door, and it's our ninth team wide receiver. He's about five foot four. And he says, hey, coach, is that cookie dough money due on Monday or Friday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You can imagine the feelings that go through my brain. And I'm like, hey, bud, they're due on Friday. And it was about within – Probably 6.3 seconds, Coach Saban, Major Applewhite are gone from Greenwood for good. And I think he had to be thinking to himself, why am I not on the yacht in my you – know, <laughs> why in the world – what in the world have I gotten myself into? So, but I, 
Was he doing that? And be, be honest here. I want to know, like, for real with Nick Saban. Was Nick Saban doing that in a way of, like, helping you? Or was it like he was like, this is how I would stop it? Was it – like, he was no. he helping you in doing it? Or was no. he like, this is how no. I'd stop it, buddy. You can't do nothing about it. No, he was – that's what was so awesome about it because he was sincere. He was up there, and, and his whole demeanor – and I, I have so much respect for him, but he goes up to the board. His whole demeanor changes. Right. He gets excitement in his voice. He gets fired up, and especially when he's talking about defense, and he's drawing that stuff up, and he said, well, if you did that, then I would do this. And then I, he said, what would you do? What would you do? And I said, well, i do that. He said, then I'd do this. And it was – no, it wasn't. He, I mean, he was so sincere and so awesome. And uh, just the excitement, it was so fun to watch him transform into Coach Saban instead of the, you know, the mythical figure, Nick Saban. But it was, uh, it was a great experience. Obviously, I'll never forget it. That, that young man that knocked on my door will never know what, a, what he did to ruin my life. Because <laughs> Coach, was, it, you said he didn't want to take pictures and autographs. Were people, like, gathering around him? Was it getting pretty – like, were there a lot of people getting well, around? The first, no, there were one or two that tried, but I guess they took the uh, hint when the other ones went off that <laughs> things we weren't going to be taking a whole lot of pictures. I it was it. it was on a business trip, and and that and I mean that we're we are in a great town, and while we were proud to have Nick Saban here, they they understood that and let him do his yeah. job, and and uh, he offered our kids, so everything's good. And but who it was, was that? Tyler Wilson. Tyler ended up okay. going to Arkansas. Okay, yeah, he cool. got drafted by the Warriors in the fourth round. Yeah, he's great kid, great player. Started two years up at Arkansas and a great kid. Yeah, well, coach, uh, that had to be all. I know meeting Nick Saban as a coach. I mean, that's like the pinnacle of everything. But yeah, man, I I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us here before football season gets started. And uh, I've definitely learned a lot. I know. A lot of the guys that listen are going to, they're all going to learn from it. So I appreciate your time, man. And I hope to speak to you again soon. You bet. I tell you, I'd be happy. It's rick.jones at greenwoodk12.com is my email. Shoot me an email. I love talking ball. I, I think that, as I said, I'm unembarrassable, but over 42 years or so, whatever we've coached, there's been so many coaches that have been so willing for no good reason to help me other than they're just good people that if I could help somebody I feel if there's any way to sort of pay that forward that's sort of what I'm going to try to do any chance I get and uh, I love I love football and I love coaches and I'd be willing to help in any way I possibly could but I appreciate this opportunity Jonathan and it was it was great meeting you and uh visit with you and we're looking forward to it the season's starting we're getting ready to roll here yes sir that first (laughs) i appreciate it coach before you go i want you to i do want you to say your website i want you to drop that plug right there what's your website www.coachrickjones.com you heard it guys go check them out coach i appreciate it thanks jonathan yes sir Chad, do you think that you're going to be able to take anything that Coach Jones just talked to us about and put it in? Like, is it going to make you better tomorrow? Is there anything that you think with, like, the PROs and the RPOs um, that you already do or that you think can make you better right now? Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely already do some of that. Um, The package plays and stuff, I think that he's in a situation where he probably can do more of that. 
bigger schools, you can do more of that with us being in 1A. We try to keep things simplified, but um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing that for for a few years now. A lot of the package plays more than the RPO plays, um, but I mean, it's it's cool that he's able to continue to stay ahead of it and the transition that he's gone through as a coach um, after all those years that he's still doing. Yeah, he's still staying ahead of the curve. It's really um, it's really amazing he's not, that him. He's not he's set his ways at all. Yeah, no, and and obviously you get, I mean, shoot, I'm I've been coaching for five years, and I've there's probably things that I'm already set in my ways at, and he's been doing it for 42 years, and I mean he'll, I guarantee you, if somebody came up with something like that is like the air raid version of you know what the air raid was in the late 90s, now like he would have no problem jumping to it if he felt like that was the new, you know, um, that was the new thing to do to help him score points. I mean he'd have no problem jumping to that after all these years. Speaking of air raid, we talked about air raid guy during the podcast for a second and how things swing back and forth with football and how one day they may swing back to being run heavy offenses, people in the, you know, double wing wishbone. Uh, and I thought it was a cool idea. Maybe we go through some profiles of how coaches are. And today I want to talk about air raid guy and how would he react if things go back to old traditional foot to foot run the power dive veer midline chad what do you think air raid guys reaction is to that is for, well first off we need to describe air raid guy i'll go first one well, way you that, can, hold on before you do this before everybody starts hating us i need to say something about air raid guy first off i love air raid guy i love <laughs> him his his podcasts are great there's ideas like I love to get air raid guy to send me PowerPoints. Um, you know, he'll, and if you get air raid guy to send you a PowerPoint, he's going to send you 120 slides with 75 video clips in there. Um, you know, everything from how you install on in the classroom all the way through to what you do on the practice field. I love those 130 play power or 130 slide PowerPoints. I'm only going to use like one slide. But I love that Air Raid guy is willing to throw all that out there because they love the Air Raid more than anything. So if they think that they could get me to do something, they send me everything they have, um, and I'll use a tiny, tiny bit of it. And so I really appreciate that, um, and I appreciate their dedication. So before they all hate us for what you're about to say, I need oh to say God. that. If you can't make fun of yourself, then you don't need to be. I, I, I can make fun of myself for who I am as a coach. But first off, Air Raid Guy's PowerPoint is a lot different than Power Guy's PowerPoint. Power, <laughs> guy, power guy didn't make a PowerPoint. He had an overhead projector that he took pictures of, and he like put them into a 2006 Microsoft PowerPoint presentation. Air Raid Guy has a graphic designer that made his logo. And it's on every slide of his It's PowerPoint. on every slide as the background, as like the clear background. <laughs> also, and it looks good. Also, Air Raid Guy's Twitter bio has more emojis than a high school girl's. Like, there are so many fire emojis in that bio. And, Chad, I know you're at – like, oh, it's – Oh, gosh. Why, why is that bad to say? No, you're good. Keep rolling, man. <laughs> Keep rolling with your profile. I'll I'm add one cool thing. Air Raid, guy, dude. Air Raid Guy is much more likely to wear a backpack on the sidelines. Oh, gosh, yeah. And wristbands that are, like, Under Armour. Oh, yeah, backwards hat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Backwards hat for sure. Got the branded. He ain't wearing Russell. He's wearing Under Armour or Nike. Um, oh, yeah. He's wearing the branded stuff now. Yeah. What about Air Raid guys? Does he have facial hair? Um, yeah. He, like, they all just want to look like Cliff Kingsbury. So they're all doing their best <laughs> to try to do the whole thing. Like, 
they'll actually wear Ray-Bans on, si- on the sidelines, possibly. They're going to gel their hair before the game um, if they don't wear a hat, the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, Air Raid guy definitely has a has a look. And the Air Raid guy lives or dies with the Air Raid now. There is no other way. It, there isn't. No there is. other way. He was good at Madden, too, in high school and college. Oh, he was the, gosh. Like, he was the guy in high school and college that, like, collected hot the routing, He was hot routing everybody every play. Just He's got people up. custom playbooks. Like, oh, yeah. Everything is his system. He, like, watched how Mummy film, like, that he got on VHS when he was in high school. Modern Air Raid guys got more access to those things. But, yeah, Madden, pro. Now, how does Air Raid guy, Chad, react? to football going back to full-on running. Does Air Raid guy keep coaching? Well, let's layer this. All right, first, do we? Do you think that that is what's going to happen? Do you think Air Raid guy needs to be worried? That's the first layer I think we need to attack. I think that in some places he could be worried. Now, I, I, I don't know that that will happen. I mean, the game is cyclical. I think that – and we've only seen really, I guess, one cycle. We've seen it go from crazy running to passing. But you've got to think at some point, maybe it's in the year 3000, it goes back to running the ball. I pretty much so, agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think, think it's that happened. it's – I think that it's at some point it's going to cycle out um, with the evolution of the game because there's still going to be steps that the passing game can take. Um, and then it's going to cycle back around for sure. Or, I mean, I think so. I don't know that's ever going to get back to two tight end all the time for um, big programs and up into the NFL and all that. Um, I mean, Air Raid guy is going to have to probably go coach soccer. I think he's basketball, to be honest. For Bas- oh, yeah, basketball and grass. Because they, like, they love to say thing. that. It's like playing basketball. It's like playing basketball. Love it. They're going to take that point guard and make them, you know, sit in their classroom and draw on the board and everything. Um, If you've ever been to a clinic, you have heard air raid guys say, guys, we're basically playing basketball on grass. And Chad, like, how is that basketball on grass? (laughs) Like, how is throwing the ball in a football game like playing basketball on grass? Is it because, like, Uh, does it come from the fast break? I guess because we're going no huddle, the point guard's running and just kind of, you know, throwing it to people running the lanes or something. There's like five wide receivers, five basketball players. They just like run and the quarterback throws it fast. And I think it just sounds cool, to be honest. I think it sounds like you, when you think basketball, you just think of people running. So he's like, we're running all over the field. Mesh. Run <laughs> mesh. We'll run it. I heard Hal Mummy at a clinic say one time, we ran mesh six times in a row. And honestly, Hal Mummy, like, he loves that. Like, that is his, that, like, that is. I thought him. you were about to go somewhere else with that Hal Mummy, because I have a Hal Mummy take that I don't know if I want to say. Go ahead and tell. I mean, Hal Mummy is good at What air. is his career record? <laughs> what is it? He beat LSU at Kentucky. Or was it Florida? It's, uh, it's Alabama. He beat Bama at Kentucky? Yeah. So that was his thing. He like beat... 90s with Tim Couch, I think? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He won that game at Kentucky, and now everybody was like, How Mummy and the Air Raid are amazing. What yeah. about Mike Leach? How Mummy to me, but how, that's the thing. Like, How Mummy to me is like, is how a lot of Air Raid guys, like, he was the live or die by the Air Raid type guy. Like, he literally, like, he would probably tell you, like, I'd rather just have fun running the Air Raid than to win. Yeah. I think Air Raid guy would rather 
coach rec football running the air raid than be like an NFL coach on a team that runs two tight ends and like wins the Super Bowl. How yeah. mommy how mommy would rather coach a ten year old football team with a really good quarterback than coach in the NFL and win a Super Bowl if the Patriots were running foot to foot dive and power and counter every play. Oh gosh. This is the most controversial thing we've ever talked about. You there honest- are people that are going to hate this man. Why? Like, literally, there are people right now listening to this, like, who Hal Mummy is their guy. Like, they when they were little, they had Hal Mummy in their AIM, like, handle thing. Hal like, Mummy knows more about football than me or you. Yeah, accurate. Okay, so, like, why can we not say what we think about him? <laughs> I'm just telling you, there are people who, like, Hal Mummy is the guy. There's, like, a shrine to him. Like, they... they they, they got like newspaper clippings. They love them. They like love the, them. They sit there and watch that YouTube clip of that whenever it was ninety seven or ninety eight, where Tim Couch and then beat Alabama. They just watch it all the time. It's split backs out of the gun, and they just keep running like Y cross over I, to now, Y cross. I will say, I'll say this too: How Mummy and like Mike Leach and all those air raid guys are hilarious. Like they're Mike Leach is I, now Mike Leach is one everywhere. Like Mike, Mike Leach deserves a better job than what he has. Like I'm all in on Mike Leach because he's one. Yeah. Like, but in the, what they did, how Mummy obviously is did revolutionize. You know, he didn't necessarily take advantage of it. It did revolutionize. You hate how Mummy. Game. I've got to say these things so people won't hate me. Dude, how Mummy's a good coach, but I'll, I'll say like with Coach Jones. He would never be like, you know, he would never just say, I'm running the air raid. And even if it doesn't work and there's something I can do better, I'm going to do that. You know, like, I think that everybody that likes the air raid doesn't necessarily say that, though. Like, air raid guy is the guy that says, I'm running the air raid, even if I have every person on my team's over 300 pounds, they're running the air raid. And my quarterback's terrible. Yeah. And we've got a stud running back. And our offense line's huge. We're going to air raid this thing. I've got three D1 running backs and a quarterback that runs a 4-2 and no wide receivers, but I'm I'm air. I'm, I'm here's the thing. This is what they'll say. This is exactly what they'll say. This is their response. This is what they're yelling in the car right now. The air raid sets up the run. You can run <laughs> the ball out of the air raid. Like, that is what they're screaming right now. Well, here, Mike, Mike Lee. close the box, you can run the ball. Mike Leach said 50% run and 50% pass is about 50% stupid. So, um, I mean, I don't think that he's trying to be balanced, which I, I mean, I agree. You don't have to just say we're going to be balanced for the sake of being balanced, but air raid guys running inside zone. And that's about it. I mean, I, I've coached for two years in the, by far the more successful year, we basically ran the air raid. I'm not air raid guy, but I believe in it when you right have 100% when you right have the right personnel. I've just got to keep throwing these disclaimers in. You know what I want to do? I want Air Raid Guy to reach out to us on Twitter or email us at Coaches Drive on Twitter is our handle or thecoachesdrive at gmail.com. And I want to invite, we're going to choose an Air Raid Guy to come on the show and he's going to talk about the Air Raid and we're going to ask him about why he loves it. And we're not going to be mean, but I want to get an Air Raid Guy on here that lives and dies by the Air Raid to come tell us why it's the best offense ever. Are you afraid to do that, Chad? Is that cool? No, I'm not afraid. I think I'm afraid that you're that like I'm good with the air raid. Like I, I air raid guy, air raid guy can be extreme, but like I I'm, want extreme air raid guy. That's who I want. I want like yeah. how mummy on steroids. I want him to come out here and tell us why we're idiots and why the air raid is the best thing ever. 
if I had my choice and could like pick my players, I would like lean towards their aid. Like I really, really would. So again, I need to throw that disclaimer out there. Guys, you hate it. I don't hate it. Well, I ran air raid on Madden in 2011 when I was killing everybody in the dorm room with Arkansas and Chad, not Chad Henney, uh, Mallet, Ryan Mallet. I was killing it. Ryan but, Mallet. Yeah, but I don't hate the air raid. I just think it's funny to talk about air raid guy. I think the power guy is funny. I mean, I'm, I would consider myself to, I don't really know what guy I am, but whoever I am can be made fun of. Everybody can be made fun of. I know, I know. I, I mean, know. you sound like a politician right now. You keep poli- apologizing for no? having a take. Is it not? That's not what I'm saying. You can have it's, an opinion. It's not offensive to say that people are the way they did are. Did I not say my opinion? You did, but you're like, air raid guy, like, you're really good. We're no, really. I mean, I said my opinion. Air raid guy can be extreme. How Mummy isn't that good of a coach because, like, he's never won. <laughs> And Mike Leach is freaking awesome. Like, he's awesome. I mean, like, I don't. I'm just saying, like, there's. I two... mean, he did. He did put that guy in the shed and tell him not to come out, and he was about to die from like being overheated. But as a coach, as a coach, yeah, he's been successful calling plays. Yeah, it wouldn't have meant nothing, nothing if it wasn't Craig James' son. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that I'm just saying, like, you're acting like by me putting true disclaimers in there that I'm like being soft towards air raid guy like you're i'm back, not air raid guy but like off a little bit i'm not backing off a little bit you I, no i'm just not being ridiculous i'm not either but right because you 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 don't have those disclaimers like i do like i have literally ran essentially the air raid before and like it's been more successful than anything i've done so like why is that how's that backing off that's a true statement Okay, whatever. Uh, Area guy, we love you. We do want extreme. I won that argument, obviously. That wasn't even an argument. We do want extreme air raid guy to come on here. Chad's probably going to try to act like he's your best friend and like be afraid of you. I'm going to tell you why I don't think you're right. (laughs) But you know me to be someone that is like afraid of confrontation. We may, if we do invite somebody on here to talk, (laughs) though, we may get like to. Yeah, we don't want to. We're not going to like scream at anybody, but. Um, I want extreme air raid guy on here. I want you to be like, I'm right. And then I just want to have a discussion. Like we need to, we need to make that happen. Uh, but guys, we need to sign off here. We're getting about to our limit. We try to keep it about hour and 10 every time. Uh, good luck Friday night for those of you who have games, those of you getting ready to have games, go prepare and, um, do what you can do. If you're air raid guy, run the air raid, run it proud, baby. You got anything, Chad? (laughs) No, I'm good, man. All right, guys. Later.